0: It's been way too long for us here on the Tim Hatch Live team, but we are ready to rock and roll in 2024, which I'm sure is going to entertain us in ways we don't expect, such as the president losing his Secretary of Defense for four days and not knowing where he was. Wow, we're off to a great start. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. All right, yeah. Joe Biden lost his Secretary of Defense for four days. Uh, He doesn't seem to care about our national borders. And abortion activists are targeting peaceful pregnancy resource centers in Massachusetts as a harbinger of things to come in a lot more blue states. Uh, This is what's happening right now. We're going to cover it here on the deep end. It is season seven, episode twelve, and I am I am finally back. Long holiday break, but we did some improvements to the studio. We got a new deep dive studio right over here to the left of me, which you will see tomorrow night if you tune in. And of course, remember that we also have the Swag Shop, which is brand new, com slash shop. And you can check that out with some bold as a lion swag gear there. But that's not what you're here for. We're here to talk about the news from a Christian point of view. So let's do it. Deep End News. Deep End News. The news you choose if you could choose news. Yeah, I can't believe this. I can't believe that I have to report that Joe Biden has lost, that Joe Biden has lost his secretary of defense, or at least did. You know, when I walk my dogs, if one of them is out of my sight for more than 15 seconds, I get very nervous. Evidently, I'm more cautious with my canines than the federal government and our current early onset dementia patient Joe Biden President is with his Secretary of Defense, the AP, reporting. Yes, Washington spent the weekend of January 6th reeling from the surprise news that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin had been hospitalized for seven days without most of the top U.S. officials knowing where he was. So, evidently, uh, Lloyd Austin goes in for an elective procedure on Friday, December 22nd, and due to complications, he had to return to the hospital a few days later. He tells no one. His number two, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, is on vacation. And no No one in the federal government knows where these people are for four days now if this was your child you would go nuts no this is not your child i understand this is the most important military position in the united states and we are right now fighting one two maybe three proxy wars i'm speaking of ukraine and israel and perhaps china with taiwan pretty soon this is where we are at where our federal government doesn't even know where the most important leaders are. And we're trying to fight all these wars and maintain world peace and trying to bring about the ultimate good conclusion for our country in the future. And, and the, the, the secretary of defense, this is this is not some low level government employee or an intern. This is the secretary of defense. Just doesn't check in. Tells no one. No one knows where he is. And no one even noticed that he was gone for four days, which just kind of reminds you of how useless government really is. Anyway, the a- the Associated Press also writes, The Pentagon's failure to disclose Austin's hospitalization for days reflects a stunning lack of transparency about his illness, how serious it was and way he may have been released. Such secrecy at a time when the U- U.S. is judging, uh, juggling a myriad of national security crises runs counter to normal practice with the president and other senior U.S. officials and cabinet members. This has got me concerned, and it should have you concerned. I mean, we don't want to freak out, but we do want to ask good questions. This is the government at work. <laughs> what is going on? How do they not know that, that this guy who is in charge of making sure that we are defended, that's what sec- Secretary of Defense means. He is in charge of the defense of the United States, and he doesn't know where, and, and our president doesn't know where he is. How else is our government at work? Well, by abusing the Constitution, of course. News over the holiday break is that Donald Trump has been removed from election ballots in two and now possibly three states. That news dominated the talk shows last week. we got to talk about it here on The Deep End. Government money and campaign funds will be spent like crazy over the next 11 months. What will it be spent on? Craziness, yeah. President Trump was removed from the Colorado ballot primary ballot. I believe this is only so far the primary ballot, but the the primary ballot in Colorado on December nineteenth, and then shortly thereafter, Maine followed suit. Colorado it was the Supreme Court of the state that made the decision, but in Maine, the unelected Secretary of State decided to cite the Fourteenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. This would be a uh, unheard of, unprecedented move to re- to remove the leading challenging candidate of a sitting president and why did they remove him because he's an insurrectionist of course now important notes here is he hasn't he hasn't been tried nor convicted of being an insurrectionist and number three he will not be tried or convicted as an insurrectionist because that's not the court cases that are standing open right now in the case of Donald Trump. But that's not going to stop the Biden and Obama-friendly Secretary of State in Maine, Sheena Bellows, from trying to stop former President Trump from becoming president. Uh, The next President Trump Yeah, this is Sheena Bellows here on the screen Uh, She is somebody who reposts frequently Frequently these talking points of the Biden administration There she is taking a happy picture with President Obama And President Biden And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a picture of her Snuggling up close to President Trump Since she seems to like presidents so very much But no, we did find, however, on her Twitter feed A Celebration of Pride event And this is a woman who supported uh, marriage equality in Maine And now she is citing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to remove the leading opposition party's candidate from the ballot in the great state of Maine. Now, her decision has been suspended until Maine Superior Court reviews it. But here's the facts. She's a Democrat. She's an activist. She is in lockstep with Biden and Obama. She's Maine's first female secretary of state. And these are the same people who will tell you that democracy is on the ballot. And 2020 was the freest and most secure election in our history because Biden won, of course. But before that, 2016 was a terrible election that gave us an illegitimate president in Donald Trump. So that's what happens. Well, that's what happened while we were off on the deep end. And the Republicans are striking back news report. That Republicans are going to pull the trigger on a plan to remove Joe Biden from the ballots. Now, this is Aaron Bernstein of Pennsylvania House of Representatives, Corey McGar of the Arizona House of Representatives and Charlie's Bird of the Georgia House of Representatives all released a joint statement on Thursday announcing their plan to remove President Biden from the 2024 general election ballots in those three states. Where will this end up? In the courts, of course. Finally, it will get to the Supreme Court. And here's my prediction. The Supreme Court, of course, will strike all of these moves down. And then Biden and the Democrats will campaign on expanding the court because how dare they do checks and balances against the Biden regime. And a lot of lawyers will be making bank. And our government continues to devolve into a clown show. And I just have to say, Ronnie Reagan, straight to my veins, baby.
1: I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the english language are i'm from the government and i'm here to help
0: yes that's exactly right the most terrifying news the most terrifying words that you can hear is that the government is here to help you now we have to talk about what's going on in higher education because there is there are some good things to report on the three university presidents who refused to denounce genocide open calls for genocide against the jews but It's not as good as you think. And that brings me to Deep End Follow-Up. The the Deep Deep, 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 deep End Follow-Up. Yeah, so we reported this about the three uh, lady presidents of Ivy League and higher education universities, Claudine Gay of... Harvard, and the middle one there is Sally Kornbluth of MIT, and then to the right is Liz McGill of UPenn. These ladies all came under fire at a congressional hearing where they refused, again, to denounce open calls for genocide of the Jews. Now, so far, this is what's happened. Liz McGill of UPenn resigned, and last week, Claudine Gay of Harvard had to finally resign, but not because of the refusal to Condemn open calls to genociding the Jews, but because she's an avid plagiarist. But don't worry about Claudine Gay; she will be a-okay because plagiarism cannot stop DEI imperatives at Ivy League institutions. Claudine Gay, right now, according to the New York Post, is set to keep her nearly nine hundred thousand dollar a year teaching position to at Harvard, where she will teach unnecessary things. To students who will then demand student loan forgiveness when they realize that their degree in, I don't know, lesbian dance theory is useless when they get out into the real world. So prior to being named the president just six months ago of Harvard, Gay earned $879,000 as a faculty of arts and sciences dean. That was in 2021. She earned $825,000 in 2020. Now, if you're a student at Harvard and you get caught plagiarizing, you are expelled You are removed from the university, and you can't go back. But if you're a female president with woke views, you just get reassigned to teach those students who can't get away with what you got away with. This is amazing to see happen and unfold in real time. Imagine getting caught doing education unethically and then getting paid almost a million dollars a year to stay at the very place you cheated your way to the top. (sighs) What a world. Meanwhile, more news out of Harvard. This is from the New Boston Post, and this is funny. More teaching assistants are desperately needed for a course on Taylor Swift at Harvard. Yeah, you send your kid to Harvard, and I know not many of you do that, obviously, but you pay $80,000 a year to send your kid here, and it teaches them to worship Taylor Swift, who costs the average concert goer on average $1,200 Per person to go to her show. I mean, what a world we live in. But imagine, just imagine paying $80,000 a year to get your kid to worship a pop star. Now, you might like to know this, Mr. or Mrs. Taxpayer, that Reason.com reports that these, government, these institutions of higher learning, these Ivy League elite society class Educational centers are highly funded by your tax dollars, whether or not you agree with them. The top 10 Ivy League institutions, Harvard, Yale, Brown, Princeton, University of Penn, Columbia, Cornell, and Dartmouth, plus Northwestern and Stanford, these 10 universities... In between 2018 and 2022, received 33.1 billion dollars in federal contracts and grants. That is taxpayer money going to these universities that can't have their presidents, that won't allow their presidents to announce open calls for genocide against the Jews. In other words, you're paying for these institutions to uh, do what they do and indoctrinate our kids. And you wonder why our society is crumbling, why we have incompetent leaders in the halls of power, because when you abandon real education and research and development of the human condition so that people can, I don't know, drive across better bridges and use better technologies and civilly engineer better structures in our infrastructure so that we can actually get to work and do something that is productive for a living. No, we stopped doing that and we started to indoctrinate these kids into gender theories and um, DEI prerogatives and uh, topics like inclusion, diversity and other ideals that will lead to the devolution of our society and what you end up with are people like Boston City Councilor Tanya Fernandez. And this is a person who so hates our country, she takes her government position without saying the oath of office that literally every legislator and judge and president and governor has been required to say since our inception. Boston.com, barely reporting this, by the way, but the headline is Boston City Councilor appears to not say the oath of office and she is reportedly asked to do it again. Now, you have to love the subheading here. Look at it with me on the screen. District, says, District seven counselor or counselor counselor yeah tanya fernandez anderson became a target for far right social media account after apparently staying silent during the oath of office so it's never it's never the woman hates the country and won't say the oath of of office which is really the story it's Someone on the far right pounced. Someone on the far right reacted. Someone on the far right attacks. I mean, no, no. Like, let's not bury the headline, Boston.com. Don't report the news with a slant. Just tell us what happened. The woman literally stayed silent about standing for our rule of law as she took a government position in a major city in our country. And this is not a benign movement. This is a growing plague on our governmental leaders. If our governmental leaders do not stand for what our government is based upon, that is the Constitution, then we don't have leaders. We have people who are going to disassemble what has been built and is not going to end up good for anybody. Here is the video, by the way. She's in the middle there uh, during a swearing in ceremony. And you will notice that the two people in front of her repeat the oath of office, but she does not watch.
2: The
3: Constitution
0: thereof. Will support the Constitution thereof. So help me
2: God. So help me God. It's very quiet. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly
3: swear that I will faithfully and impartially discharge that I will faithfully and impartially
0: discharge and perform all the yeah. duties. Is she wearing a hijab, by the way? Uh, and that's more alarming. That's more alarming, and more in line with what we've been talking about. How Islam is quietly taking over the West. But here she is basically showing that she will not stand for what we believe as a country. Where does this happen? It happens through the Ivy League institutions. Thankfully, she was forced to retake the oath to post-millennial reporting because according to the city charter, city councilors are required before entering upon the duties of their office to take and subscribe in a book to be kept by the city clerk for the purpose to Adhere to the oath of allegiance and the oath of office prescribed in the Constitution of the Commonwealth and an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. Sanity and the rule of law are hanging by a very thin thread, people. But this is the result of years of higher education, abandoning education and turning to indoctrination, teaching kids every day to hate their country. We are just a vestige nation of colonialist atrocities, and we don't deserve to live. That's what the kids are told at school. Oh, and by the way, climate change is going to kill us all in 8 to 12 years. Oh, and by the way, there's no God, and you're the descendant of an ape, and you may not actually even be a boy or girl. So, stinks to be you. Good luck with those student loans. Now pay us $100,000 for the year. And the federal government is handing your country over to people illegally who don't care about it as well. This is the coming catastrophe. And I'm speaking, of course, of the Biden open border policy. Even the Washington Post, has to report how bad things are on the Southern border for Joe Biden. Now they suggest here in this article that 2.3 million people have crossed the border under Biden's watch, but I am guaranteeing you that that is a very low estimate considering the numbers every month that have come in. It's probably more like 4 million illegal entries uh, into our country. Now, by comparison, Trump's last month in office, the country had 60,000 border apprehensions, 60,000. In Biden's first month as president, that number went up to 125,000 border apprehensions, more than double in one month into his presidency. Now, three years later, this fact sheet from the House Committee on Homeland Security shows startling facts that revealed in September 2023, U.S. Customs and Border Protection recorded 270,000 encounters at the southwest border, marking a significant increase from June 2023 and highlighting 2023 overall as the worst year ever at America's border. Orders. So what is the Biden administration finally having to do? They're turning to Mexico and they're saying, hey, Mexico, keep these migrants in your country. Now, that is a great policy, right? Uh, as they wait, as they await the right of asylum or entry into our country, even though they don't have the proper docu- documentation. Well, maybe we should have them remain in Mexico. Let's let's work out a deal with Mexico. Um, gee, who had that? Who had that idea for it? Oh, that's right. The hateful, racist Donald Trump. He actually created the Remain in Mexico policy, which on Biden's first day in office, day one executive order. This is from uh, his own website on, on his policies on immigration. He removed and rescinded the Remain in Mexico policy in the name of compassion and justice. And now, three years later, the Biden administration want it back. <sighs> what an abject failure this man has been. But this is where we are as a nation, and it's unbelievable. Kids are being taught to hate their country. Uh, Woke schools are transing the kids. And people who don't care or pay taxes are coming into the country in record numbers, and we're three years in to the Biden regime. Let me just lay it out for you very clearly. A country that teaches their kids to hate their country with wide open borders and lawless policies cannot and will not last. And you know what? I'm not the only one who believes that. There's the guy I know from the past who said these exact things. He's not saying them anymore. And gee, I wonder who that could be. Oh yeah, that's right. It's this guy, Joe Biden. Listen to him in 2008 talk about these very
1: issues himself. It makes sense that no great nation can be in a position where they can't control their borders. It matters how you control your borders, not just for immigration, but it matters for drugs, terror, a whole range of other things. So that's the first sort of truism. People in the country should have the first opportunity to be able to have jobs that pay well and have jobs that are decent. And that after that, the second crack goes to what we may need from other parts of the world or, other, or, or any other input. We have to. We have to. And I had been arguing for, when I'm back in as my days as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and straight through in the, as the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee, I've been arguing for the need to put more protection at our borders, meaning that you have more border guards. This president, refusing to add the number of border guards, now said he has to send the, send the National Guard down. He, he vetoed. He, he was against adding the number of border guards. I only can suggest the reason he was is because he needed that money for his tax cuts that were unnecessary. I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. Again, show me what you value.
0: Okay. notice the difference between continent Joe Biden in 2008 and dementia Joe Biden in 2024. I mean, one had honest and upstanding opinions on governing and whether or not you agree with them. At least he could articulate them clearly and saw the problem. The other, our current president, which is a meat puppet in chief here for the globalist influencers, influencers trying to turn America into a socialist utopia, is stumbling and bumbling his way into disaster and what is the answer we we need we need leadership in this country we need law and order in this country we need things that we we had when we built this country we we need god a lot of god and a lot of christianity and that brings me to my next point do you know who agrees with the sentiment the, the sent the sentiment that i just expressed that christianity literally undergirds western civilization you'll never believe this Elon Musk agrees with me. The Christian Report, The Christian Post, reporting. Elon Musk agrees. Western civilization absolutely screwed without Christianity. Evidently, he appeared on rapper creator and podcaster Zuby's podcast, uh, which was posted to X last Friday, and he thinks that the West absolutely will not survive if Christianity is removed or if it doesn't have a strong Christian influence. This is the Post. From Zuby's own Twitter account, here's what he said originally. I don't think I've ever said this publicly and directly, but I think the West is absolutely screwed if it loses Christianity. Explaining this in full would require an entire book, but I've thought about it a lot over the years and reached this conclusion. It's like removing the, and this is not on the screen, foundations of a building, but pridefully expecting it to remain standing forever, all while enemies both inside and outside are trying to knock down the building. To which Musk publicly replied, "I think you're probably right now now, please understand that Musk is no professing Christian. He has sarcastically asked to, he was sarcastically asked to accept Jesus when he was on the uh, Babylon V interviewing with them. It was a very awkward moment in <laughs> in interview history, but it's quite telling when a businessman and leader like him knows the value of Christianity to a nation, and we're losing it. Uh, There are reports every year about the declining faith of America, this report that came out from Gallup a couple of years ago. Back in the mid-20th century, 68% of Americans described themselves as Protestant. Now, yeah, we did have segregation, but we also had the foundations morally to remove segregation, and we did through the civil rights movement. But back then, 68%, almost 70% of Americans considered themselves Protestant Christian. By 2022, that number dropped to an astonishing 34%. And in 2021, America crossed the line it had never crossed before. Less than half of the population now considers themselves members of a church. And what have what we gained from all of this? Craziness, lawlessness, the destruction of the family, the redefinition of marriage. Kids are now on more drugs than ever before. And not not recreational drugs only, but psychedelic drugs, psychological drugs, emotional therapeutic drugs. People don't go to their priest anymore, they go to a therapist. And the therapist never heals them, the therapist just keeps coddling them. In the religion of self, you need a therapist to affirm your love of self. In the, religious of, in the religion of Christianity, you need a pastor or priest to come alongside of you and say, you are the problem, and you need to repent of self and serve the one who died and, re- and gave himself for you. You see, that's how it works. We never lose religion. We just exchange one that's true and righteous and historic and profound and rooted in all things good for one that is rooted in selfishness and, and pride and arrogance. What Christian author uh, Christian Smith wrote about in his book years ago, uh, Christianity today or religion today is now moralistic, therapeutic deism, meaning that it's all about trying to be a good person and feeling good about yourself. And God is somewhat in the mix, but he's not really the center of our lives. This is where we are. A crazy culture has resulted because Christianity has been diminished and lawlessness abounds in the southern border and in the halls of governmental power. And then we have men playing and beating women in women's sports news out of our neighbors to the north. You will not believe this, but there is a 40, 40 year old man who identifies as a woman and he is beating girls as young as 16 and 17 in swimming. Now, I know this is in Canada but it's, it, it, it bears talking about because Canada is oftentimes a harbinger for the future of America. Meet Nicholas Sapita. He believes he's a woman and he swims and competes and shares a locker room in Ontario with girls as young as 13. And no one cares. This is a sexual fetish, by the way. It's a mental illness wrapped in plain old pedophilia. And this is where Canada is now. And it's possibly where America will be as Christianity continues to decline in our country. Now, you have to understand, this will not get better. The more we embrace this kind of nonsense, this is going to continue. The article here that I'm reading from State of the Union reports, and incredibly, everyone from the Barry Trojan Swim Club to Swim Ontario to Swim Canada seems to be perfectly fine with this gender-bending grifter breaking the rules. End quote. They're saying nothing which is exactly what's happening in America. Pastors are saying nothing. Pastors will not stand up for truth anymore. And that is a very big burden on my heart. It's why I do this show. It's why I need you to do that like button, the subscribe button and the notification bell. Get notified every time we post new content because we're here to report the news from a Christian worldview. And then we're here to do Bible study tomorrow night on the Deep Dive. And when we don't speak up pastors or leaders or Christians, the country slowly devolves. Now, this January, as happens in every January, there is a particular Sunday that is important for pastors and Christian leaders, and that is the Right to Life Sunday. Uh, this has been Acting, happening since I think 1973, uh, Roe v. Wade uh, being instituted. Now has been overturned. But since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, uh, abortion rights activists have been on overdrive. And they have put these very subtly worded, very strategically worded bills on ballots and have gotten abortion rights passed in many, many states, including red states like Ohio, which was actually shocking, and Kentucky. But they mix abortion rights with, you know, adoption rights and uh, health care for women. And so, of course, the bill passes. That's how it goes in every single uh, election. So they just nuance the language of the ballot question. So that it's. of course, I would vote for that because after all, I want women to have health care. But really what you're voting in is uh, unlimited abortion rights. So what has happened also is not just that abortion rights have been passed, laws have been passed all over the country, but now abortion supporters are starting to get a little bit more bold, a little bit more vocal, a little bit more outspoken, and abortion supporters are now taking aim at pro-life pregnancy resource centers. And my heart is on this issue, and here's why. I'm a pastor of a Christian church, and we support several pro-life pregnancy resource centers. What does a pregnancy resource center do? Well, it provides alternatives to abortion for young girls and unexpected pregnant moms to find a way to raise that child and not kill the child. A couple of facts first before we get to an interview with a leader of one of these organizations. Did you know that abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2023? This was shocking for me to hear when we found this research, I couldn't believe it. But more than 44.6 million abortions were performed in 2023 worldwide, and the number of abortions exceeds the combined number of casualties caused by basically every other leading cause of death in the world. The second leading cause of death in the world, communicable diseases, took 12.9 million people last year. Cancer took 8.2 million. Um, Smoking, 4.9 million. 2.4 million people died of alcohol use. 1.6 million people died because of HIV or AIDS. 1.3 million people lost their lives in road traffic accidents. And over 1 million people committed suicide. Abortion beats all all of those cases combined. In 2023 what, what i'm trying to tell you is this is a serious issue that christians need to speak out on and talk about there's uh, another report from the christian post that the uh, abortion facilities in pennsylvania more than half of them failed a health inspection report in 2023 this is from the pennsylvania family institute and some of the findings not so good uh, such as unsanitary conditions Uh, uncertified or non-certified physicians performing abortions. One procedure in particular was performed on a minor without parental consent and not enough staff. And nobody bats an eye. This is not reported in the news. And Let's not forget. That Pennsylvania is home to one Kermit Gosnell, the abortion monster who was convicted of the murders of three infants who were born alive after an abortion and also the manslaughter of a woman during an abortion procedure and several other medically related crimes that you'll never hear about. Yeah, that's Pennsylvania for you. And if you're keeping track, the abortion industry gets to fail to provide basic health care standards while the pro-life resource centers are targeted by the government for suggesting a woman take a pill to reverse the morning after pill. That's that's where we are. So this is from Massachusetts, again my home state, leading the way. Uh, the Department of Health, Public Health, warns anti-abortion centers, uh, medical professionals against deceptive practices. Nearly thirty center pregnancy cr- crisis centers operate across Massachusetts, and they sent out a memo last week. Basically intimidating them, saying that you uh, must not promote a medical abortion reversal, the practice of prescribing progesterone to stop a medical abortion that is already underway, or medication abortion that is already underway. The department cited the American College of Obst- Obst- Obstetricians and Gynecologists as stating as saying the practice is unproven, uneth- unethical, and unsafe. The reversal method is not supported by science. Now, you say, well, there it is. It's right, right there, science. But what have we learned over the last four years about science but that there is no such thing as true and upstanding science anymore. The sciences, the scientists said we should wear a mask. And then years later, they said, well, actually wearing masks didn't help. The science said we should shut down the country. And then a couple of years later, we realized that shutting down the country was a terrible mistake. And now our kids are way behind in their educational advancement because we told them to stay at home for a year and a half. I, I don't listen to the science anymore. I don't listen to the experts anymore. I trust what God's word says because it is eternal and it has stood the test of time and has lasted through generations and empires and world history and still empowers my life to this day. But the abortion activists are on the hunt for those who disagree. The Attorney General of Massachusetts has created a new reproductive justice unit. I love how they put the word justice in this department, it has nothing to do with justice, it has everything to do with killing the unborn. So the leader of this new reproductive justice unit in Massachusetts is named Sapna Katri, and she's the uh, executive director. Her, her goal now is to target Christian-funded, church-funded pregnancy resource centers with threats and intimidation. Because it's never about having a dialogue. It's never about having different views on abortion and pro-life issues. It's, it's about shutting down dissent. Right. Removing Trump from the ballot, uh, replacing our constituency with illegals who have no buy in, no skin in the game for the uh, op- operation of our country. Now, to quote uh, Miss or Miss Katri herself, she said, quote, we must work to tackle the harmful practices of crisis pregnancy centers. Now, harmful practices. She's talking about te- telling a young teenage girl who un Uh, mistakenly got pregnant not to kill the child inside of her that according to this woman is a harmful practice we must work to protect access to abortion care and then look at this line and gender affirming care what does abortion have to do with gender affirming care where do we find that (laughs) where do we find that corollary i don't And then she says that we must champion policies that implement vital tools like comprehensive sex education in schools across the Commonwealth. (sighs) Man, my home state of Massachusetts loves to do three things. Kill the kids, confuse them with pronouns and talk about their private parts. (sighs) It's unconscionable. This all leads me to my first guest of the year. We do a segment every once in a while on the deep end called The Conversation and I'm going to welcome them in. Let's do it now. I want to welcome to the show uh, Myrna Maloney Flynn. She is the president of Massachusetts Citizens for Life. This is a nonprofit organization in a deep blue, very pro-abortion state, my home state of Massachusetts. Myrna, welcome to The Deep End.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to join you today for this very important discussion.
0: Absolutely. Privileged to have you. The Department of Public Health of Massachusetts has warned what they call anti-abortion centers, or at least what the Boston Globe calls anti-abortion centers, that's how they phrase this conversation, um, against practicing deceptive medical practices. Can you speak further as to what these warnings, and I would call it intimidation, is all about?
3: Sure, so last week the commissioner at the Department of Public Health sent a memo to all clinics throughout the state. It, It opens up in sort of general language, just as a reminder to those holding licenses here in Massachusetts that they need to abide by certain standards and certain protocols in order to keep their licenses. Now, this is about a two or three page document. And as the document continues, the commissioner uses examples of ways in which a licensed facility might stand at risk of losing their licenses. And in every example, he cites Uh, pregnancy resource centers or clinics that um, may provide ultrasound exams to women or that might counsel women or essentially implying throughout this document that pregnancy resource centers better watch themselves and better not be practicing deceptive advertising, deceptive advising, which in their mind includes counseling during a crisis in a woman's life.
0: Let me get this straight. They're saying, look, if you counsel a woman uh, against abortion, this is considered, according to the DPH, this is considered deceptive.
3: But essentially, that's exactly what they're implying. And this isn't the first time that this sort of language has been used against pregnancy resource centers. Mm. Right after Dobbs, our attorney general, Senator Warren, and, and the governor even took aim at Pregnancy resource centers, those uh, facilities that provide the choice, ironically, that the pro choicers have been calling for for 50 years. But even in in the last six months, we've seen uh, much more pressure being put on our state's pregnancy resource centers, and it's it's a pressure to increase standards of care or you know play by rules that ironically the abortion clinics seemingly don't have to play by.
0: Sounds like it's a, an encroachment on free speech, if I'm reading this or listening to you correctly, because I should be able to say to a pregnant woman what I want to say as a health provider or a counseling center, uh, or a, as you say, licensed healthcare center. And by license, meaning that they do have, in these um, pregnancy resource centers, they do have licensed uh, medical Absolutely. professionals.
3: Yes, that's correct. The the pregnancy resource centers that are licensed medical clinics do abide by the standards of care that the state puts forth. They, They wouldn't dream of acting otherwise because they have women's best interests at heart, women's safety at heart, and the safety of unborn children. And so the clinics don't operate in ways that would threaten the future of women or girls or unborn babies. So they're operating in every way that assures women's safety, that allows us to speak freely. And as you said, to communicate to women, what we think that they should know. And that is, women should know the full range of their choices, right? Abortion is not their only choice. And the thing is, abortion clinics won't share that information with women, abortion clinics won't share the risk factors, short or long term, about abortion with women because sadly, there's a bottom line at stake. Oh, in yes. That clinic. And yeah. the last thing that a clinic wants to see is a woman walk out the door to have her baby.
0: There's a report actually out of um, the Christian Post this week that the pro- abortion providing uh, clinics in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, the whole state really, uh, it was something like half of them. Are not up to healthcare standards for any other you know medical professionally licensed facility
3: women girls um in in a, the most vulnerable state can now obtain the abortion pill through the mail mm. without ever being examined and and that is the issue that actually the supreme court is about to look into this coming year and there have been reports of women who have undergone very serious repercussions and side effects, at which point they are told by the abortion provider over Zoom, like this, or on the phone, go to the emergency room, tell them you're having a miscarriage. Don't tell them you took the abortion pill. Tell them you're having a miscarriage. So again, this deception there you go. This this complete lack of true compassion and care for women is rampant. And it's it's nothing if not consistent. You know, this is this is why Pregnancy resource centers exist yes. because there was a call for choice. The pro-life movement is providing choice. These these PRCs across the country outnumber abortion clinics, and this is a piece of good news, about three to one right. at yeah. this point. Because since Dobbs, we have seen the closure of many abortion clinics, and we're seeing the rise of more pro-life community centers um, that, that really are there to serve women, again, for free. right. Abortion at any stage is incredibly violent. And long-term, we know that so many women who are operating under what we think is choice really are operating because they've been pressured. And Christians watching this only need to look toward uh, the recent story a few months ago about Britney Spears, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. she was coerced into having an abortion. And more stories like that will start to come to the surface. When we hear those as Christians, it is our job not to turn away.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, we were talking earlier before we started the interview about playing the long game. Uh, You and I both agree that one day this country will look on abortion the way that our present generation looks on slavery. And you think about these laws that are being passed and the governmental uh, pressure and manipulation uh, and targeting of those who are on the right side of history or the righteous side of history, and you, I think about the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. Think about that year, 1850, which was just 10 years before we go to war over ending slavery in this country once and for all. And the law was empowering the federal government to make sure that sl- f- fugitive slaves were returned to their slave owners. And if you did not return them, you were liable. A Christian might be tempted to say, wow, look at what they're doing. We're, we're going to lose. It's not going to happen. Um, it's getting worse. Maybe overturning uh, Roe v. Wade was a mistake. And we might be tempted to say, back off, hands off, stop fighting. It's over. The, the battle is lost or it's going to be lost and nothing could be further from the truth. If you study history, okay, that that great line that the the secularists love to use from uh, uh, President Obama, that the long arc of history bends towards justice, I agree with that, but the justice of life for the unborn, the right to life, living up to our constitutional mandate and what we stand for as a nation, it will bend toward righteousness and justice, and I do believe the pro-life cause is going to win. How do we play the long game as Christians in today's very anti-pro-life uh, agenda?
3: Going back to your analogy about slavery, um, you know that that height of the 1850s that you had mentioned, it took a hundred years. Mm-hmm until the civil rights movement really came of age and and our culture changed. We have our God and we have the angels on our side, absolutely, but we also have the undeniable science that we know life begins at conception and it is a human life because what else is it? And then from there you say it is worth defending, protecting under our law in in this wonderful country and people um, who love our country love life and the freedom of life, particularly vulnerable lives. And it's only a matter of time until each one is protected uh, in law.
0: Yeah. Myrna Maloney-Flynn, president of Massachusetts Citizens for Life, an organization that has been around for 50 years as of last January. Correct. And will be around for another 50 years if that's what it takes to bring Society around on this issue. Thank you so much, Myrna, for being with us. God bless you. We're praying for you. We're standing with you. Uh, Viewers, please click the like button, uh, uh, click the share button. Get this content out there. Don't be ashamed. Uh, This month, January, there is Pro Life Sunday, right to Life Sunday. Click the share button and let people know where you stand. Too many Christians are silent on the issue. Myrna, you're not one of them. Thank you for being here. God bless you and fight strong.
3: Thank you. Grateful to be here.
0: So thanks to Myrna Flynn once again, president of Mass Citizens for Life. And uh, if you've got a church that refuses to talk about these issues, you might want to find a new church. I get it. We come to church because we want our faith built up. We come to church because we want to receive forgiveness of sins We want to hear about Jesus and how we should live. And that is 100% true. That's the purpose of the church. But Jesus also called the church the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. It, It kept meat from decaying in Jesus's day. And the church has this imperative from its leader, its founder, its savior. Keep the world from deteriorating. Preserve it. And do things that are necessary. Have the conversation that you need to have with someone. Even if they don't like to hear the truth, they need to hear the truth. I got a guy in my church who was witnessed to almost every day at the lunch table by a Christian years ago when he wasn't a Christian. And the, he told the guy to stuff it, to take his Bible and shove it. You know what I'm saying? Those kind of words. and I'm very much PGing the language. That guy now works for my church, and he's now the guy telling everybody about Jesus. The power of the gospel is still there. It's still a thing, and it still can change people's hearts. And so, don't be quiet just because they don't want to hear it. Sometimes you need to hear the things you don't want to hear. Can I get a good amen in the comments? Amen. All right, that's the conversation. And I just wanted to play a video for you that uh, we dug up here on the Deep End Research team. It was Mother Teresa at the 1994 National Prayer Breakfast. Now, mind you, Bill Clinton, the first elected pro-abortion president in our history was in attendance at this prayer breakfast. And her words are amazing, what she says here. I'm going to skim across, we'll skip around, but her words are amazing in, in this speech. And I wanna just play it because I wish we had people speak boldly like this today. And by the way, she reminds me that you don't have to have this bold you know, look to you You don't have to have a great beard and uh, a big, strong black sweatshirt to speak boldly. You can just speak boldly as you are, as the Lord calls you to speak. Here's what she had to say to our national leaders in 1994. Watch.
2: But I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because Jesus said, if you receive a little child, you receive me. So every abortion, is the denial of receiving Jesus, Mm. is the neglect of receiving Jesus.
0: A lot of crowd applause, but remember it is the national prayer breakfast. So in 1994, I remember this prayer breakfast actually, and uh, a lot of evangelical Christians were there. So I know you want to think, oh wow, look at how uh, positive they were about these words. But you know, context matters, a lot of Christians, but nonetheless, very powerful words.
2: It is really a war against the child. A direct killing of the innocent child. murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that the mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another. How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must pursue her with love. And we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts.
0: She makes a salient point here. Did you hear what she said? If we can't have a mother not kill her child, how can we tell other people not to kill each other? The year is 1994. Two years after this speech, 1996, I remember it because I was involved in youth ministry. We had the first public school shooting in this country, 1996, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Remember that? And then two years later, the most horrific event, Columbine School shooting in 1998. And then what has happened since then, to the point where we have basically a mass shooting a day. If we can't tell moms not to murder their unborn children why can we how can we expect children who are born to take life seriously and not murder fellow children it's an important question let's continue
2: jesus gave even his life to love us so the mother who is thinking of abortion should be helped to love That is to give until it hurts her plans, her free time, to respect the life of her child. For the child is the greatest gift of God to the family because it has been created to love and to be loved. The father of that child, however, he must also give until it hurts. is even her own child to solve her problems and by abortion the father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child he has brought into the world that so that father is likely to put other women into the same problem So abortion just leads to more abortion. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love one another, but to use any violence to get what they want. This is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion.
0: Okay, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people how to love each other. They're teaching its people how to hate each other and use violence to their own purposes. And that brings us to 2020, the summer of love where $7 billion of damages were caused in the name of social justice for black people or the hideous riot at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. I don't call it an insurrection, but it definitely was a bad moment in American history and Political violence now is a thing. It's just a regular thing. It doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because we have embraced death, not death, murder in the womb, in the name of my own rights, my own life, my own choice. More on this in the extra content for members of the Tim Hatch Live uh, organization, but so many salient points that Mother Teresa made and so prophetic. Back in 1994. Wow. Shifting gears uh, radically now. I want to just do one quick recap from 2023. And I think it exposes the lunacy of the left, the progressive left, the woke scalds of our current moment. The irony of the year in 2023 had to be the support of the Palestinians by queers in our country. So homosexuals and transgender people were like, queers for Palestine. And so if you know someone like that, if you just went through the holidays and I don't know, your uncle is like that or your kid is like that or someone that you're related to is like that or some friend is like that. I have a video for you that you have to share with them immediately. You, you have, you don't have to show this whole program to them because they probably can't get through the first five minutes, but please share the stamped moment that I'm about to share with you in a text to your queers for Palestine or your pro-Palestinian friend or, you know, relative or neighbor. This is a Muslim imam in Lebanon and he is basically talking about the punishment in Lebanon according to Islamic law for homosexuality. Watch. Uh, Let me translate. So what do we conclude? According to studies,
2: whoever becomes embroiled in
0: homosexuality cannot walk out of homosexuality. They are stuck. They really are. Even if they become aware, noticed, asked for forgiveness, repented, or even cried at night,
2: they could become aware of
0: their situation, ask for forgiveness, repent, and even fast.
2: This was experienced by some people. I've heard of some people
0: and know some others abroad. This happened to them. They became aware of it, started praying at night, crying, fasting, etc., But to no avail. They are stuck. Now, concerning such
2: crimes (laughs) that destroy the families in
0: society, we have crucial provisions in Soraya.
2: But here's the difference. Because
0: a point should be mentioned here.
2: If a person commits adultery, may
0: it be a man or a woman, if they committed adultery
2: and were unmarried,
0: they shall be flogged. And if they were married, in accordance with the ruling of a judge, they shall be killed.
2: In the case of homosexuality, no distinction
0: is made between an unmarried and married person. In the case of homosexuality, from the first time, even if they were unmarried, they shall be killed. Queers for Palestine. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What an absurd sentence that is, by the way. From the river, that's the Jordan River, to the sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, where the state of Israel lives, Palestine will be free when the state of Israel is no longer there? You mean the only state in the area, in the region, within, I don't know, a 500-mile radius that actually allows for homosexuals and queers to live in peace? That state, that area will suddenly be free when the state that allows people, those, those people that freedom is gone? The history of Palestine is so so important and so many people are ignorant of it the Ottomans ruled it for 500 years under an iron fist of Sharia law it was not free before Jewish people uh, established their nation state in, or reestablished their nation state I should say in 1948 and it will not be free if that state is removed these people who are pro-Palestinian who are chanting these mantras are ignorant are stupid are ill-informed and could really stand to go through a serious history lesson. That's the news. One more reason to support this channel. Okay, one more reason. Because YouTube has an algorithm, and it will bend the algorithm in ways that support certain content creators and don't support other content creators. One of the content creators that YouTube Kids is now supporting is this guy gal. This is content on YouTube Kids. So you put your kids in front of the YouTube Kids app on on their tablet or on your phone, and you think, oh, they're safe. It's YouTube Kids. Uh, No, this person is queer stuff for kids, and it's a trans activist talking about, according to Lives of TikTok, oh, it's called Queer Queer Kids Stuff. That's the channel, Queer Kids Stuff, and in this channel, she is talking about a book about abortion. For uh, for kids, and she's reading it uh, on the on the video. Watch
3: this. Hi, friends. Welcome to Queer Kid Stuff. I'm Linz, and I'm Teddy. <laughs> and this is my best stuff friend, Teddy. And this is Teddy's Book Club, where we're reading LGBTQ plus picture books with you all every Saturday morning. This week, we are reading a book called What's an Abortion Anyway? Linz. What, the? what is an abortion anyway? Well, we're just gonna have to find out in the book, Teddy. This is What's an Abortion Anyway? by Carly Maines and Emulsify. And I'm really excited to read this book because I don't think there are any other picture books that talk about what an abortion is. And it's really important idea to understand right now. Isn't it Teddy? Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, so this is a guy, right? This is a guy acting like a girl and then talking about abortion with a teddy bear. Creeper thing, creepier things I have never seen. So she's she he she she he it has uh, a bunch of other stuff on the channel. The educator butter uh, bundle talking about uh, social justice for K to five kids, LGBTQ plus inclusive classroom webinar, queer kids stuff, coloring book, 29,000 subscribers, 165 videos. And it's on YouTube kids. And it has not been a law around that long Would you hit that like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell, please? And support content that hasn't lost its stinking mind. More content from Queer Kid Stuff, and this is just for your comic relief. This is the wheels. No, the dress. No, the hips. The hips. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Watch. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish.
2: Swish,
3: swish, swish. Swish, swish, swish. swish, swish. The hips on the drag
0: go swish, swish, swish all through the town. I'm sorry. I know you can't unsee that. <laughs> YouTube kids, watch what you are putting in front of your kids. Parents, it's more important now than ever because they're coming for your kids. They're coming for your children. The men's gay choir in San Francisco sang about it in 2021 and now they're doing it. They're coming for the children. They're coming for the children in Hollywood. They've been doing this for decades. And we had an interesting moment at the Golden Globes Sunday night that basically admitted it. Uh, One of more than 50 award shows in Hollywood, by the way, where the cultural elites make subjective choices as to which horrible shows and movies we should pay attention to. Comedian Jim Gaffigan took to the stage at the Golden Globes and told this joke in light of the Epstein name list drop this week. Watch this.
1: The Golden Globes. I mean, I... I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. I can't. You know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. Wow. I just...
0: Wow. (laughs) Funny and not funny. Funny because he's right. The entertainment industry is filled with pedophiles, and a lot of those people are on the list are on the Jeffrey Jeffrey Epstein list, but not funny because they are basically okay with making a joke about something that is very serious. That is the loss of a child's innocence at the hand of a sick and demented adult. And it needs to be spoken out against, and I don't know where this Jeffrey Epstein list will go. I'm really not concerned too much about it. I'm not going to cover it on the show. I hope you understand, because the only list that matters is the list that God is keeping. Okay, that is the show for those of you who are part of our free community and I love you guys too, but I want to talk about the Dependables membership plans. There's five levels. You're in the first level right now, then there's the basic, the standard, the premium and the legacy level we just offered which will be getting some personalized gifts from yours truly every year. You can join and sign up to support us monthly by those amounts and all of your support helps us fund this program. Lot of research goes into this show. A lot of work, a lot of people behind the scenes, and if you're in The Dependables, you meet those people and you watch us go to work on some private videos, and then you get the rest of this show, which continues shortly for the members. And if you are interested in joining that community, head on over to patreon.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Always remember that when you support us, we support Project Rescue and then the American Bible Society to get the Bible into as many hands as possible. But other than that, may God have his hand of grace upon you and let's fight the good fight and let's speak up for truth in an age of crazy. Amen. Take care.